Hello, I'm attorney Stephen R. Golden of Stephen R. Golden and Associates. Our firm is a full-service law firm dedicated to the middle class and businesses. We excel in areas of business and real estate, law, and litigation. Our firm can also reduce your debt through negotiation or bankruptcy. Our attorneys have experience in wills, trusts, and probate, helping you to maintain your family's wealth and pass it on to your loved ones without taxes. For a free consultation, give us a call at 626-228-2710. That's 626-228-2710. Time to dive into another hour of Living by the Word, and it is sponsored by the Friends of Living by the Word Ministries on 99.5 KKLA. Living by the Word does not necessarily reflect the views of KKLA staff, management, or sponsors. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Living by the Word Ministries. My name is Daryl Ezd Fulton with my Bible Information Brokers team, my teammates Brian Allen and Professor Craig Hawkins, PCH. We're so desirous to be able to answer your questions as you call in at one triple eight LA Talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven, or you can even send us an email question uh, by in your email address. Just write the word questions at bibleinfobrokers.com questions at bibleinfobrokers.com and again we mentioned before in the first half of the broadcast that this show goes as you call in or as you send us email questions because we're very desirous to give you the biblical response if there is one if the bible is silent we will let you know that maybe we shoot our uh, thoughts about a particular subject matter so feel free to give us a call life is happening things are going on you're reading your bible um, i'm loving what i'm doing chronologically reading through the bible and uh you know just your daily devotionals just your life just family members just just a job everything that goes on in life trust me the word of god talks about it and it has some things maybe specific to say maybe some things that's uh that's generally understood one triple eight LA talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. I know I mentioned on the side of the break that we have some good news for you, but before I give you the good news, matter of fact, I want the professor to do it this way. Professor, can you let them know what the bad news is first, and then that way build up the crescendo to the good news? Well, sure. And or another theme that we actually started with tonight is fear. And yeah, there's some things you're smart to fear. You know, if there's a vicious dog next door. Uh, you'd be rightly fearful for it to get loose to bite you, and you or uh, to bite one of your children's uh, children. You know that, that that's and you know if you're obsessed about it, of course I'd be unhealthy. But there's a there is a, a, a respectful fear of, of breaking the law, of uh, doing something that, that's life threatening that could endanger your or other people's life, and and there is a, a fear of death. That people rightly should have fear. A death is not your friend. It's not just some passing. Uh, you may hold the reincarnation and transmigration with all due respect. Uh, I'm going to argue that's just simply not true. You know, Brian, again, started off the program asking about if we have fear, can we have faith? And I would argue you know, one can still have faith, but there are some things we should fear. And <clears throat> rightly so, people right now fear their own death. I was watching a movie last night with uh, one of my sons, and uh, uh, at any rate, the, it, the movie was not on this, but a subtext of it was fear, and, and specifically fear of death of this one individual. And I just thought, how apropos, though, there is a, a healthy fear. There is, 
should be a concern. Uh, you know, people, of course, who almost, you know, who get in a car accident or, or have some, you know, life-threatening illness or whatever uh, are faced with their own mortality, and there is this, this just stark realization that, wow, I'm mortal, I'm going to die someday. And that's a very real concern, not to be morbid, uh, not to dwell on that per se, but, but that is a, it's a part of life, is death, and one ought to be concerned about it, and you ought to be concerned about your own death. Why? Because, as the Bible says, it's the last enemy, and for some people it is a doorway to an eternal separation from God. I don't know how bad your, tough your life may have been here, but it ain't nothing. Bad grammar, good point, compared to what awaits to those who are outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is not some crass appeal to fear. This is a crass appeal to reality. I had a physical just not too long ago, and there's just some things the doctor says, you've got to take care of these things at your age. You know, and it's not trying to scare me. He's telling me the truth. Look, you've got to watch this, cholesterol, this, that, you know, blood pressure, what have you. You know, these are things that, that, that eventually take people's lives or diminish the quality greatly thereof. My friend, here's the issue. Here's the point. You are separated from God. You are one heartbeat away from a crisis eternity. You are estranged. You are alienated. You are separated from God. I don't know what you think type of relationship you have with you and the man upstairs, but uh, the man upstairs, he says, mm. you have no relationship with him unless you know his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless Christ is your advocate, your attorney, your physician, your divine advocate, your divine physician, you have no relationship with God. So there is a healthy, there is an appropriate concern, indeed fear, of, of death and what awaits on the other side. And the wise person doesn't wait to find out. The wise person deals with it now. Just like, you know, think of retirement. You don't wait to start planning for retirement when you're in your 60s or 70s, unless, God forbid, something horrible happens financially. You start planning much earlier to have the resources to be able to live and survive when you can't work full-time in the latter years of life. You don't start planning for retirement when you retire. You should have been doing it earlier. How much more so you need to get right with God here and now, not just because of eternity, which is an issue, but because of this life. Life and that more abundantly. That's what Christ promised. If you want life and that more abundantly, not just to survive but thrive. I didn't say an easy life. I didn't say a life with carefree and no problems, but a life that is truly life, rich and full, and what life is all about. It is only found in Jesus Christ. It's not found in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and achievements, accomplishments, and do-gooderism, helping the poor, or whatever. I'm not knocking some of those things per se at all, but they will not bring you the fulfillment, the contentment, what you're looking for. You know, Buddhism says simply don't desire anything. That's not the answer either. By the way, if you desire nirvana, is that wrong? Mm. If you desire to be released from desire, is that wrong? That's self-contradictory. <laughs> the Bible, though, says desire this, to be right with God, to be in right relationship with God. Desire life, the fullness, the richness, the purpose, the meaning, the significance, the original intent of life. My friend, that's what you were made for. Just like a fine watch, like a, a beautiful Rolex or some Swiss-made uh, uh, top-of-the-line watch. It was made, made for certain functions, for certain usages. And when it's used for that, it fulfills its purpose. You, my friend, were made for fellowship and relationship with God and with others. And you only can have those deep, rich relationships with others, let alone with God, through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. Believe on Him today, right now, wherever you are. Trust in Christ, your Lord and Savior, and let Him relieve you from the very real fears that you face and the ultimate real fear of death and of eternal separation from God. Come to the Divine Physician that He may give you a heart transplant, transplant and give you life that is truly life in Him. 
And in a transplant, if you happen to have your heart being moved, and we talked about monogism and synergism on the first half of this broadcast and how dealing with this particular subject, uh, soteriology, salvation, salvific uh, movements upon your heart right now, you may be feeling it right now. Craig's uh, invitation to uh, in, in, in inviting you into the body of Christ and letting you know about it, you may think that, well, if I don't make the choice, well, God is moving upon you right now. And if you feel that movement and you made that choice, whether it's now or sometime this week, we Brian. I would ask that you give us a call. Write down this number and let us know. Write down this number, 1-866. I just simply 866-929-2514. That's 866-929-2514. Just leave a message, and Brian and I will get back with you. Because after you accept Christ, we just don't want to leave you out there as a long ranger. We want to get you going in your most holy faith, get you in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church in your area, and assist you in getting you a Bible or whatever and start reading your word. So give us a call if you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior rather now, based upon the professor's invitation and the gospel message to you, or later on this week before we come back on the broadcast next week at 866 866- 929-2514. That number is dedicated for that reason uh, in particular right now. So just write it down, one 929 2514 and let us know, and we want to talk to you about that. Let's go back to the phone calls, gentlemen. We have some questions, some interesting questions. If you want to deal with the idea that uh, why does um, the LBGT um, Christian community hold to abstinence? Well, that's we're going to deal with that. Um, we want to talk about tithing. Uh, do you need to tithe? You may have a question like that or even a question that Angie's going to ask in a moment when I bring her up. But if you do have a question, either email us the question at BibleInfoBrokers.com. I'm sorry, questions. Spell it out. Questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com or call us right now. Take an opportunity right now and give us a call. 888-528-2557. or 888 LA Talks. You can write it out, spell it out, write it out, call us right now. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Angie, as I mentioned, and see what Angie's uh, question is from Long Beach, the LBC. Angie, thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Thanks for answering the question. Well, let's get to it. What is your question? The question is, um, if we do not forgive our brothers when they, uh, you know, ask us, then God will not forgive us. If that person does not forgive their brother, whatever it is, and they die, will they still go to heaven? You know, that's an interesting question to ask after the gospel message been given, Brian and Craig. I didn't hear anything. I'm just going to give a short version. I didn't hear anything in Craig's invitation to the gospel to talking about Jesus Christ that if you do not forgive, you will not go to heaven. Because it sounds like you have some kind of work associated with that about that, not that doing something. That was my question. My question is, is, uh, is forgiving somebody a work? Craig? Well, sure, Angie. It's a great question, and it's come up numerous times, thinking Christians go, hmm, you know, Matthew 5 and other passages where it talks about this, you think, well, wait a minute, uh, then I get, would I be saved? And what I would hold, and many theologians argue, would be that it's not so much, Christ is not given a condition or, or a work. If you don't forgive, you have to forgive others. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. But what it's really saying is, indeed, the mark of a believer is that we will forgive others. We may wrestle with that. We may struggle. Some are more difficult to forgive than others because of things they've done to us or other we care about or what have you. But if the idea is the mark of a believer is they will forgive because they have themselves been forgiven. So think of this. We call it, think of it as a, if I can use a technical term, as a consequent, not the antecedent. It's not that 
forgiving others is an antecedent for you to be forgiven, but it's a consequent because you have been forgiven by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call mm-hmm. it an a fortiori argument. He's forgiven us of these infinite offenses, how much more so should we forgive people of lesser offenses? So Colossians and other passages tell us, so even as we've been forgiven, we are to forgive others. So I would argue, again, it's not, it's not well, if you don't forgive, you won't be saved, but it is those who are saved, one of the marks of that is that they will forgive others. And why? Because God will prompt you to do that, and he will give you the ability to do that. And even having said that, that doesn't mean that we won't struggle to forgive some people. Some people have done such horrible things to their children, sexually abused them, or mm-hmm. I think of people we know even who've had ch- ch- child, uh, our children were murdered, mm-hmm. and that's a real difficult issue, but God can uh, give us the grace and the ability to forgive others because of his great forgiveness to us. You know, one thing, if I could add to that, Craig, and I, we don't necessarily have to get into the depth of it now, mm-hmm. about the, 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 the difference between forgiving someone and um, if the person repents or not, and then dealing with someone in a, in a vengeful manner. I can say this, if vengeance is uh, associated with you in any kind of way, form, or fashion, then that's the thing that people need to not necessarily struggle with, but should be clear that vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's, okay. and he will repay. So a lot of mm-hmm. times when people talk about forgiveness, they're really dealing with the fact, can I get them back? Can I do this? Is it not forgiving someone if someone doesn't pay me my money back? Can I, you know, uh, is it wrong just to just forgive them and let it go? And those type of things. So, Professor, if you could, can you uh, just extrapolate a little bit upon the idea of forgiving someone and uh, are not holding vengeance and then how to deal with someone who doesn't repent? Well, sure. Romans tells us not to take vengeance into our own hands. We'll leave that to God. Um, but, but Daryl, there is a related issue. Maybe Angie has that, maybe not, but it still needs to be addressed. And, and of course, I'm going to argue there are Christians who teach otherwise. But I'm going to argue the Bible teaches that forgiveness is contingent upon uh, someone asking for forgiveness. I would mention, for example, Luke 17, where it says, for example, in verse 3, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Um, I think it's healthy and wise not to hold grudges, because it only hurts us, it only impoverishes us and does damage to us. Um, But... I would argue biblically that the concept of forgiveness is contingent upon someone uh, repenting. So let's say, God forbid, someone um, you know murdered a family member and they never repented, they never asked for forgiveness. Um, I don't believe you have to forgive them, but I still would say for your own sake you don't want to harbor bitterness and anger and vengeance because that's only going to come out that's just like you know pouring acid on yourself or pouring acid down your your, your throat into your stomach. You're only hurting yourself. Um, but but again, key point I would argue that repentance is contingent of uh, forgiveness is re- contingent upon repentance, and then we can do, only do this again by the grace of God. And we always have to keep that in mind. God never says, "Well, you do this." And or else, God says, I will give you new desires, I will give you the heart, I will give you the ability to do this, I will see you through this. And that, that is what I believe is what, what we're being taught. Well, um, may I speak? Absolutely, Angie, please. Okay, um, someone may have the ability to do something, but they won't necessarily do it. You can lead the horse to the water, but you won't drink yes. it. Um, the question was, will that person go to heaven? Because if they have, Jesus said, if you do not forgive your brother, 
then your father, heavenly father, would not forgive you or that well, person. Well, okay, but that's we have to take the full counsel of God. So yeah, I didn't say it explicitly, but you're right. So let's go back to that. But Ephesians two eight nine and many other passages tell us very clearly we're not saved by our works, but by the grace of God. So the Bible's not contradictory. I, I'm going to argue that, once again, it would be the mark of a believer. But do believers sin? Do Christians fornicate? Do Christians commit sexual sin? Yes, they do. Uh, do, they, do they lose their temper on a regular basis? Yes, they do. Do they overeat? Do they gossip? Uh, do they mm-hmm. slander? Uh, do they not forgive some people? And I'm going to argue, yes, they've genuinely trusted in Christ. In spite of their imperfections, you're going to see them in heaven. Why? Before, by grace you say through faith in that, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. If, if my being saved, i.e. going to heaven, and that's, I'm using the, those terms interchangeably, if my going to heaven is contingent upon me forgiving others in and of itself, then I'm not saved by grace, and the Bible contradicts itself. So that's why all these passages have to be taken in context with the full counsel of God. All passages that bear on a topic need to be taken into consideration, and that's why I would, I would balance out the passage you're basically alluding to in Matthew 5, with it, for example, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Angie, is that helpful to you? Angie? I think you have yeah. your radio on. You need to turn that radio off if you could. I was just asking, was that helpful to you? Because a lot of people struggle with this idea about forgiveness and going to heaven and things like that. And I think the professor gave, uh, like you said, the whole counsel of God when you put it all together, that certain things will, for the lack of a better term, supersede the things that it may seem like. But it's basically complementary in the sense that uh, people think that it should get forgiven and then the psychological thing just so that you can feel better, just so you won't, like Craig said, throw acid on yourself. But that's in regards to you want to carry out vengeance on somebody which is the Lord's but you are to forgive if someone genuinely repents and then there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance so all that stuff can be sort of discerned Craig and you did a series I think it was at core I know you did it some time ago on the tape series about uh, discernment and about actually what is forgiveness and things like that can you just talk a little bit more about that before we go to the calls Craig well, I really think we should move on, to be okay. honest. I, I mean, we've kind of given us a big sure. shot and uh, whatnot, but we can come back at it another time, Daryl, if you don't mind. That's not a problem. So, Angie, give us a call back at another time, and hopefully that information that we just gave you would at least uh, suffice for tonight. Uh, we appreciate that, Angie. Let's do go to some other calls, Craig, and we'll take the call from Westwood and talk to Ann. Ann, thanks for holding on and calling in. Yes, um, hi. Um, good evening. Um, I had an encounter last night. The Holy Spirit had me cross paths with a, a younger UCLA student. And um, long story short, he started telling me about his woes with his girlfriend, that he broke up with her because she wanted to wait and have abstinence, and he didn't. And then he realized he was wrong because what he was after was just the sexual contact and blah, blah, blah. The it then went into God and um, and me saying, well, the Lord must have put me on your path. And when um, I spoke about Jesus, he immediately went to, yeah, but Christians don't believe, not that I'm gay, because I'm not, I have a girlfriend, but I don't like Christians, they don't believe in uh, homosexuality. And, um, and I went, well, let's just think about this for a minute. You just described your girlfriend who wanted to have abstinence so that she could fall in love with you and know you and be, you know, have a deep, rich relationship with you so the the act of making love wasn't perverted into sex or lust. And um, I'm in show business, and I know a lot of gay people. I like them, but I don't, uh, you know, I don't like to behave anything that would cause behavior to 
not be in the commandments. But um, w- why wouldn't a gay person, or if you run across any gay people who say they love Jesus, why wouldn't they first call for abstinence the same as we do in heterosexual Christianity? Uh, it seems to be the act of lust comes before anything. Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Anne. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there are some, there are a few, but but most of them, uh, whether they're you know, bisexual, uh, lesbian, um, homosexual, what have you, uh, it's just like the person who says, uh, well, we love each other, and it's just a piece of paper so we can live together and because we love each other. So there's plenty of people besides um, those uh, a same-sex you know, issue uh, who just fornicate, the old, <laughs> old English term from porneia, uh, the Greek term, uh, who just want it. Basically, the, the bottom line for me is, and I think, again, you've got to hit the nail on the head, they just, people want to do what they want to do because it feels good. So they really don't want to do what's right. They don't want to do what's good or best for the other person. They want to do what they think feels good, and then we try to rationalize it. And we try to, it's bad enough that we're going to disobey God, but we're, we're not content with just disobeying God. We want to make, we, we want to convince him that he's wrong and we really know more than he does, and we should, we can do these things and it's okay. And so we attempt to rationalize them. And so that's why, yeah, you see so much promiscuity, even among whether it's even heterosexuals or same-sex couples, there's so much promiscuity because our culture says, you know, I mean, I'm older, I'm in my late 50s, pushing 60, real close. Next come year, on, Come on over to the side, brother, come yeah, on yeah, over. Yeah, but next year will be the big 6-0 for me. <laughs> and, you know, I've lived long enough and I've seen the change in, in, in our culture where, you know, when I was younger, it was a few people living together. Now it's like everybody does it. Uh, even older people, I mean, in their 70s and 80s just live together. We, we've rationalized it, and God's warned us about this. And we really just, we want to do what we want to do, and we really are convinced God doesn't know what he's talking about. The Bible's antiquated, it's medieval, and we're enlightened. We're, you know, people of the 21st century, and we know what we're doing, and we're going to do what we want to do. See, so... I mean, you said it actually very well to begin with. People are just going to do what they want to do. And so you got to. that's why you have to talk to people. When we do sometimes, I like to ask them up front, do you want the truth or do you just want to hear what you want right, to hear? Right, right. Do you really want me just to confirm your prejudices, or do you want to have a real dialogue where we present positions and arguments uh, and uh, biblical data for each position and see which one, if either of our views are biblically correct? You know what, and Professor and Brian, I, I asked the same question that you just asked, Craig. Do they want to have an honest dialogue? So I want to know, do you want to lobby for the truth? Because the people that have lobbied for the LGBT community, they've got a way whereby the very subject you're talking about, Craig, we have a thing called domestic partner. Well, the law is that people get tax breaks for being domestic partners. They get well, tax right. breaks for being shacking and things like that. But, so yeah, this, but the irony is mm-hmm. even these people are intolerant of those they disagree with. So their right. argument is something like this. I don't like these people because they're intolerant. But they're being intolerant of these people's views. So it's not live and let live. It's basically live and let live only like we do. And if you disagree with us, we're not going to tolerate your viewpoint. So, and again, I love what you said. Look, we're homosexual, lesbian friends. We we don't hate them. We don't despise them. We don't not love them. We just don't agree. If you know somebody's a drug addict, I would still love the person, but not agree with their destructive behavior. We want to love the people and not reject them, but at the same time reject.
that's a behavior that is unbiblical and that is diametrically opposed to the, the biblical counsel. We want to speak the truth in love, and then I think of Paul, have I become your enemy right, because right. I told you the truth? I was about to say that. I wanted to just, uh, I totally agree with you, and um, the reason I called is because I really felt like it was, as opposed to what you just described when we're talking to people who are just so intolerant, it's like I don't even bother. I, I mean, I, I will speak my truth, I mean, I won't stand down, and I, I will speak it in love. But there was an opening. This guy literally yeah. ended up crying and praying with me and took the mm. Bible from me. Yeah. And he, I've never heard it described that way, but... It took the onus off of this, this yeah. you know, the unmasking of this, oh, you Christians, you don't like gays. And it's like, no, it's, we don't like what, what God doesn't like, which is anything that would hurt us if, you know, you were, you know, whatever it was, exactly what you just said, uh, you know, a drug addict, et cetera, et cetera. But I bring this to your audience as something yes. that, that it literally, and this was a millennial, you know, to you mm-hmm. almost two year old out there, um, who literally had this, he was arrested by this you know, Holy Spirit-inspired mm-hmm. formulation of a sentence that put it in perspective for him. Is it yes. really love, or is it some perversion of love, the act, just like you were doing with your girlfriend? You wanted her to have sex with you, but you aren't in love with her yet. Well, right. I'm sorry, I, I just saw it, I just saw it, uh, and just gay. I, I thought it was just a a great analogy or a great uh, uh, analysis, you know, it's, you know, she didn't really hone in on gay or straight. It was honing in on lust or love. The truth, the truth about it. The truth about it. And, 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 and it's a great point, Brian. And, and again, and as well, again, yeah, we shouldn't be surprised when God does work. The Holy Spirit does convict people, and I've seen people, yeah, t- totally c- c- repent and whatnot. It's just the bulk of the time it doesn't, but we, wish, we shouldn't become jaded or cynical and think, well, nobody's going to change, no one's going to repent, so I should just keep my views to myself because mm-hmm. it's going to bring my grief, gr- bring me grief. We should speak the truth in love and know that, yeah, many will reject it and harden their hearts, but there will be those who will repent and will receive the truth, yes. and God will transform them. And that, that is just, whenever that happens, it's just an awesome privilege. You realize, wow, that was a divine encounter. That was a divine appointment, and I was just an instrument in the hands of God mm-hmm. to bring truth to an individual, and they received it. And then I want to keep praying for them that the evil one doesn't come along and try to you know steal that truth, steal that seed. But, yeah, that's just that's so great, and we're so glad you shared that. And, again, don't be weary in well-doing. None of us should be. Don't be weary in the well-doing. No, but I just pass it on because it was a divine-inspired. I don't get any credit for it. It was Holy Spirit-inspired. You know, but the main thing is that it was someone that, when it was unmasked that way in terms of perversion sure. versus love, there was... There was a reckoning, and the the truth that sticks to the ribs, which has come mm-hmm. to be from God. Right. Yes. So yes, thank you for uh, giving it a, a wider audience. But I thought it deserved, their, you know, for people to have that. Mm-hmm. We thank you very much, Anne. Appreciate the call. You know, the, the truth, um, the truth told, like you said, Craig, in love is uh, never to be um, shied away from. When we have the opportunity, you don't have to bust anybody upside their head to give it to them because they may not hear you that that particular way. But the Lord will prepare it. You know, some people are going to water, some people are going to plant, but God will give the increase in the various things and uh, the vicissitudes of life that we go through. So we got to keep pushing. And I mentioned Rosara uh, Butterfield, you know, who was 
an avowed uh, lesbian, had a, a lesbian partner, professor at an Ivy League school, and totally committed to this lifestyle and actually actively promoting it uh, through uh, an encounter with a pastor and his family who loved on her and t- took her in and accepted her. I mean, and took her in in the sense of welcomed her to their home mm. and interacted with her and loved on her. She uh, came out of that lifestyle and now has a powerful testimony and has a website, has written a book and material, or at least material articles on this. And it just, but it's a tribute to, I believe she says, you know, talking about people, you know, loving. Yeah, yeah, we, we want to speak the truth. It, again, it's two parts. It's not just loving people. Love divorce from truth, I'm going to argue, is the worst form of hate. So it's not just loving them in some maudlin sense. It's loving them and the truth, but it's not just the truth. We don't beat people over the head either like at some club and not show the love of Christ. It is to love them with the love of Christ. And because of that, that constrains us to tell the truth, but the truth is always to be given humbly and in a spirit of humility and respect, but we, but we don't back down either. We don't stand down. We speak the truth, and we take our stand in love, speaking the truth. And what was the name of this lady in her article, Craig? Uh, Rosara, uh, Rosaria Butterfield. Just look under Butterfield. Uh, I think it's on Amazon. I believe she has a book. And if not, I know she has a number of articles and a website. Butterfield, just like it sounds. There's the word butter in a field. And uh, just uh, phenom- she does phenomenal work. And, and, and not just she does phenomenal work, and praise God that he redeemed her and brought her out of the lifestyle. And again, she was not just, not just involved in it. She was totally promulgating it and was using her position at the university she taught to influence other young women and others to come into this lifestyle and to be radical activists for it. And that's the way it goes in the world that we live in. One triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven is the number you can call in right now. We have about uh, this is the fourth quarter of our broadcast, so please give us a call. Take an opportunity. Josie, hang in there, Lori. We're gonna get to your call. If you want to email us a question, we can get those email questions out in dealing with the question you may have. Simply write questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com, questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. In that latter part, BibleInfoBrokers.com is the place that you can go actually and support this ministry from a financial standpoint. We really need to hear from you. Brian is informing that the giving is going down and that not only that the giving is going down because of summer months for us, but it's also going down with many other ministries. So we're going to simply ask you this. And the support of this particular ministry, uh, Living by the Word, Ministries of Love, as a parent organization, as Brian said, to support the, the broadcast and never come to you and ask for any money, uh, but that's just not the way it is. That's not the way life goes. So we're giving you uh, spiritual substance. We're giving you spiritual things to consider. We're here for you. Been here quite a bit of time. So if you found this broadcast as a broadcast that you can support, even share with other people, uh, let them know about it, uh, then prayerfully consider how much you should give. The uh, the is not the issue to us. The uh, the issue to us is that you give. That you give according as God would put purpose in your heart and give uh, freely. Give uh, you know give hilariously but i would suggest this do not give if you're not taking care of the body of christ that you belong to if you're a congregation if you have a church home please give to your church home first don't take that money don't take off from them and give to this ministry or any other ministry for that matter take care of home first as it were even though yes it's the universal body of christ but take care of where you're being fed so that brings me back to us if you're being fed by us then please take the opportunity to give us how you can do it i mentioned the bible info brokers then you can go to our website and give by that secure method just go to bibleinfobrokers.com 
It's a one uh, right where it says donations and giving. You can simply click that uh, icon. It takes you to a one-page sheet where you can either give on a recurring basis or you can give by PayPal, credit card, and just do so right there at the website. If you, like other folks, uh, so like old school, you don't want to mess with that Internet stuff, uh, you know, you kind of skeptical about it, well, that's, that's no problem. You can simply still give us some... Um, uh, writing out a check and or, or, or what do you call those things, money orders, and give by that method as well. You can do so by simply writing a check out to LBTW, or living by the word, LBTW is fine. And then when you mail the check in, simply mail it to our new post box office. Now, I may have had the old one. That P.O. box is 90477. 90477. And you can send it to Los Angeles, 90009. That's a 9 in the beginning, a 9 at the end, 90009. It's a zip code. Make that donation out. And uh, feel free to um, let us know some thoughts. If you want to put a little note in your, your mail, you want to send us an email and let us know your thoughts about the broadcast and anything you think about. You, don't, you get to ask questions on the broadcast, but we'll read your comments as well. And we're always interested to hear what you're thinking and, and love to hear, and especially encouraging our even, you know, corrective words from you. We're we thick-skinned, trust me. We've been doing this for quite some time. So take the opportunity to support the ministry that way. We really appreciate it in advance. And thank you all for supporting ministry uh, in the past. That's the only reason why we're still on. And Professor Brian and myself, we thank you. Thank you very much. Let's go back to the calls, gentlemen, at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. We don't have to institute the fourth quarter rules because... We only have a couple of more calls left, so take an opportunity to get in. If you never got in before, call us now, one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Josie from La Puente, she's been holding on, and she's calling in. Josie, how are you doing? Hi, fine, thank you. Yes. Doing well. And what's your question for the night? It's about tithing. I am a Spanish in the Old Testament, and I was wondering how does it um, apply for nowadays for the grace period? Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying that because we are under this uh, uh, time of grace and not under the law. You know, uh, our resident tithing expert, Brian, wrote a, didn't Brian, you write an article on this uh, subject matter some time ago? Yeah, it's, it's on the website. It's on our website. So if you don't mind giving Josie just a, a quick thought about our professor, you can kind of uh, give Josie the idea about tithing and, and grace, law. What should we do? What should we do it today? It's, and it also, if it is that 10% or how does it work? Okay. Um, one of the things, principles that I'll, I'll say first is that we interpret the Old Testament in light of the New and not uh, vice versa. And personally, uh, I don't have a problem with somebody tithing, okay, at all. Uh, but uh, I, I have a problem when... Uh, passages that are used for people to tithe are incorrect. For example, uh, that, uh, that you're robbing God, okay? And passages like that uh, that put people in bondage because they're not tithing. Uh, we are under the, uh, we're under free will. We're under grace, okay? Like I said, we interpret yeah. the, the uh, Old Testament in light of new. And in 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 2, uh, it teaches a Christian the method on how we should give. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, uh, it gives Christians the motive on how we should give. And that is uh, 
like like you might have heard Daryl er- earlier, hilariously, we ought to be a cheerful givers. We should be giving out of our own heart. And so, uh, so if you want to give uh, out of your heart, that's fine. If if that giving out of your heart is ten percent, that's fine as well. I, I I don't have a problem with that. I you know people look at God in the Old Testament and they use that. 10% as a uh, pretty much as a measuring rod and uh, but uh, again to, to say someone if they don't tie the robbing God uh, uh, there's I have a major problem with that also if you look at that if if someone's gonna argue with me about tithing insofar as uh, it's mandatory I have to do it uh, and, and they use Old Testament scriptures, then the problem is then we need to give 23 and a third percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, the problem is then we'd have to give it once a year. So if you're going to use part of the Old Testament or use part of the Old Testament to make your argument about it, well, you got to use all of the Old Testament. And again, that is uh, uh, giving 23, uh, uh, 33 and a third percent, uh, uh, 23 and a third percent. And um, and then on top of that, you would have to give uh, every year, um, and so uh, yes. so there's a problem. So uh, to answer your question, you do need. I, I believe you you should give to your church, okay, on a regular basis. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, that's something that uh, as Christians we we should do. We're commanded to do. Mm-hmm. But insofar as saying, "Hey, you must tithe," because here's the thing: what if, what if there's a what if there's a person who's single, makes over a million dollars, doesn't have any really responsibility, doesn't have family, doesn't have kids, doesn't have anything like that? You know, why why stop at ten percent? Why not give twenty or why not give thirty? Yes. Okay. Yes. So. Uh-huh. And the opposite when, like you're new, and uh, you have a lot of debt, but you have no left money because you now know that you that you want to tie but you don't have that extra money just for food what can you do well you give your first okay but at the same time you give what's purpose in your heart you give what yes, yes. Would you and 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 here here's the thing I, I hear this a lot i hear people say well you know i was born you know i was poor i didn't have a lot of money and i gave 10 percent, and you know always made it through but you know what i've heard the opposite too i've heard people say you know what i gave 10 percent. i was diligent but at the same time i lost everything okay so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. w- if, if yeah. there's something that needs to be paid or whatnot uh you know maybe you can't give 10 percent that week or that uh in that situation uh but um so you give you give what's purpose in your heart and at the yeah. same time, you go to God and you ask him and, uh, you know, pray about what should I give, okay, and go from yeah. there. But, again, I'm going to personally say biblically uh, to say that you're robbing God and other scriptures like that that put you in bondage, I, I, don't, I don't see it biblically. 
And Josie, if I can add, this is easy to If I can just add one part to what Brian said in regards to uh, put you in bondage, but also the, the type of things that people say, I pay, my I pay my tithe as though it's a pride thing, and also sort of like divide the church in the second class Christendom some kind of way if a person is not tithing, then just like those type of things is also, I believe, is strongly erroneous. And uh, I think God is an understanding and loving God. If you got yourself in a pickle and you didn't say take care of your finances well, but you're trusting God to get you out of that situation and you have to eat or as far as paying or do tithing, and you take care of your obligation and responsibility of family, and then you're trusting God to get out of the situation whereby you can also trust him and give and still give uh, almost like from the standpoint of the widow's might with that particular attitude and that particular uh, unction. P PCH, anything else you want to add to that? No, I think you guys yes. covered it very well. Josie, thank we you. thank you very much for your call. We hope that's thank helpful Thank you so much you. for your answers. Tell me, God bless you. You're so very welcome. You. you know, uh, gentlemen, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to take Lori's call as a last call, then I'm going to institute a quick thing for you guys, so get ready for it. I'll let you know what it is right after Lori's call. Lori, thank you very much for calling in from the city of Pasadena, uh, and uh, thank you for calling in. And what's your question tonight? Hey, bless you guys, by the way. Thank you, Charlie. Um, I know, Craig, that your uh, expertise is particularly in... Eating. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Yeah, I'm sorry, that, my bad. <laughs> and I'm not sure which comes first, but oh, then um, theology, you know, Christian theology, as well as other religions' uh, theology. Don't know what you feel your expertise is in what you might say textual criticism, um, the latest and greatest, you know, on uh, what the current thought is. And my question is, what do you think the chances are that any of the New Testament books were originally written, you know, the original autographs, which unfortunately we don't have. Oh! Someday, I'm hoping we'll run across some original autographs, but that um, were written in either Hebrew or Aramaic, particularly, but not limited to, uh, Matthew and Mark. What do you think about that, Hebrew or Aramaic in the original autograph? Yeah, thanks, Lori. Um, sure. um, yeah, I, um, I, I don't hold to that. I'm, of course, conversant with those views. One of them is, is a quote that uh, comes from, actually, allegedly from Irenaeus, and I believe it's quoted by Eusebius of Caesarea. Oh, and as I opposed think it's to Nicomedia, Nicom 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 but anyways. Um, it's quoting Papias, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. And so that the, the, it was written in Hebrew, but uh, the variant there seems to be, actually, my understanding is to the Hebrews, I, to two Jewish people, not in Hebrew. And uh, part of the issue is, that, yeah, you pointed out, of course, we don't have the autographs. But we have the, the but the manuscripts we do have given the bibliographical test and whatnot. Uh, there seems to be no evidence that it was originally written in Hebrew. As we look at um, te textual criticism, as you pointed out, I think at David Allen Black's work, for example, in this area, among many others who do great work, Daryl Bach and at uh, Dallas and whatnot. Um, that to me the evidence is not there, and, and it takes uh, use an example. You know the idea espoused by George Lamza and others that. 
the Bible was originally written in Aramaic, indeed not even Hebrew, but Aramaic, which would be a cognate, a Semitic language, mm-hmm. uh, so very closely related. Um, but, uh, you know, of course, the problem is the earliest manuscript we have is the Peshitta, right, and, and the four or five hundreds. Um, so there's no evidence right. um, that, that that's the case. And, and not just that we don't have literally, you know, literally um, hard copy manuscripts, but but as far as when we do the science of textual criticism and trying to reconstruct the text when there are those variant readings and whatnot, uh, the science and art of textual criticism, and not higher but lower in the best sense possible, I just don't believe it supports that it was originally written in Hebrew or Aramaic, besides the fact that there's no manuscripts to support that. So uh, so I would uh, definitely, I would d- disagree with that. And there's a lot of, you know, people doing great work on this area uh, of scholarship. I have a whole bibliography of works dealing with these type of issues. This is another issue of my, my part of my undergraduate work was in classics, classical history at UCI, and I actually studied textual criticism uh, mm. there as well as my own studies and mm. through graduate school. But I started off in philosophy and classical history, and we studied textual criticism dealing with classical Greek literature and the Bible, of course, but even dealing with the writings of uh, Homer or Hesiod and, you know, whomever. I think some of it actually is fairly scientific. So, sorry, long answer, short question. I don't believe it's supported uh, in any reasonable fashion. Therefore, I, I don't hold stock in it. Okay. Well, thanks for your opinion on that. On that. Um, that, that's the best I can track down as well. Okay, great. Lori, thank you very much for your phone call. Oh, thank you, guys. Bless you right. again. Appreciate it. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers with Brian Allen, Professor Craig Hawkins, PCH. My name is Daryl E.Z.D. Fulton. The guys didn't know this, but I'm going to do a, a new segment with them. And so they, Brian got his eyes open wide now. He said, what is this man about to do? And um, let me just put it this way. Everybody has things that they deal with like pet peeves or soapbox that, you know, that, you know, and Craig mentioned something about that earlier when he was got, you know, you started talking about things that you're passionate about or pet peeve things that may annoy you. Well, Brian and Craig, this is our opportunity as we go to the close of the broadcast. We have a good about three to five. I'm, you know, I'm going to take care of the call. I'm going to go last. So I'm going to give you guys as much time as you need toward the end of the broadcast, even if I don't get minds out, to give you guys an opportunity to talk about what may be something that you want to talk about today as a pet peeve and or a soapbox issue in Christianity. I don't want to hear about your lives and your games and football and all that kind of stuff, different sports, because I would get on golf and things like that. But no, no, it would be food, Daryl, food. I'm no, no, don't, ta- don't take my line. Don't take my line, brother. That's, that's, I did that to you already. You can't steal, can't plagiarize my line, Craig. <laughs> Craig, Craig, he threw you under the bus and <laughs> roll over you. Should, but, watch this, but you should have saw Brian talking about a quiet riot. That boy was laughing so hard, he almost hurt himself on the inside. Anyway, Professor and Brian also, on a serious note, pet peeves in or soapbox issue in Christendom, or even religion. Brian, why don't you go first, being somewhat in the middle of the oldest and the youngest. Oh, man, just caught me off guard on that one. Uh, There's a lot of pet peeves. yeah. Well, let me, let me help you out, maybe. Look, uh, Andy, can you help Brian out a little bit and give him a little something-something? Do you have something-something ready for him? Yeah, uh, if you have a little something to help him out. Oh, Daryl playing something. Okay, well, go ahead, Brian. As you do, I may help you out a little bit later, but go ahead. I have something for Craig to help him out. I already got something. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say maybe off-base off uh, uh, radio hosts that uh, really don't know what you know they're doing. Uh, but, <laughs> but 
But but Daryl has something going on over here, Craig. I don't know. He's waving to the engineer Andy, telling him to play. Okay, Brian, that's your key. Now you can get into your soapbox. Just a little intro music for you. Oh my goodness. There you go. That was his, Brian. Uh, Craig, oh you my. you won't need none, Craig, because Brian oh, was oh stumbling over here. No, no. I'm I'm just trying to think. I I think one of one of the pet peeves is. Uh, I have with Christians or, or Christianity is the fact that um, just maybe sometimes the laziness and not really getting into the word, not studying the word, uh, and uh, just uh, I guess fly by night Christians that you know just you know go to church on Sunday, don't really get into the Bible in the week, don't study, and uh, so. That's 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 one of the things uh, I, I I haven't I have issues with uh, uh, just uh, boy the, the way um, it's not an issue but you know you just see the the way the world is going right now mm-hmm. uh, insofar as uh, uh, just the whole non-Christian agenda is uh, taking place and there's just no fight in the Christian community. Uh, I, I think if a lot of uh, if, if a lot of Christians stood up, voted, and uh, made some noise and spoke their mind, I don't think a lot of things that are passed by law would take place. I don't think a lot of the agendas uh, that the non-Christians have would be taking place. And so, uh, so you know, that, that, that's th- those are observances, kind of like uh, things that you, you look at and you just kind of shake your head. So. So just off the top of my head, those are a couple. Well, thank you, Brian. PCH, what, uh, maybe a couple of your pet peeves in our soapbox issues you might want to deal with tonight. And well, thank you guys uh, for cooperating with me on this. Yeah, t- t- two of them came to my mind instantly, actually, what I've been thinking about. And actually, in light of tonight's program, they're related. Uh, there's two of them, and they're related. And one is, is we as Protestants, I'm not a Protestant because Mommy and Daddy raised me as one or something like that, or... I, I'm a Protestant because I believe it's what, what Christianity is about, that the Bible is first in authority, uh, the written Word of God. There's a place for a reason, for experience. People know me. I've taught college for 30 years. I teach graduate students. I teach logic, rhetoric, you know, reasoning and whatnot. Um, so I have a healthy view of reason and even of experience and tradition and history. I have a background in classical history also. I, I appreciate that. But those are not on par with, let alone above, the Word of God. And so I, I just amazed at how many times Protestants don't act like Protestants. They're always appealing to their own experience or what have you, uh, and, and whatnot. We're, we're, we're Protestant in name only. We, we don't live in light of the Protestant Reformation, which we're about to celebrate in October, literally, mm-hmm. you know, the 500th anniversary mm-hmm. of, of, of the Reformation. And yet uh, the irony is we use the terms that we often give them lip service at best. And my related concern to that is... is and again, I believe it in the life of the mind, but I'm just amazed at, at, at the, how Christians are enamored with their own views, how we're just, we think we, we know so much, and we, we basically are saying we know more than God, uh, like the issue of you know, living with your boyfriend or girlfriend or same-sex marriage or relationships, that God really doesn't know what he's talking about. Just the hubris, the pride of that, that we know more than he does, the maker of the universe, of us, the designer of us, and we're saying to him, you really don't know what you're doing. Uh, you may have made us, but you made some mistakes and you don't get it, and I'll really be happy if I do it this way. We're, we're enamored with our own views, 
and we're really just uh, prideful, even though we, I think we don't want to admit it, uh, including yours truly at times, uh, unfortunately, as well, uh, with, uh, when it comes to God's Word. If we really believe it's God's Word, if we're really Protestants, then now back to Brian's point, why don't we really st- spend time in the Word? Why don't we study it diligently? Why don't we give heed to what it says and take it very si- seriously? Uh, but we're so caught up in the zeitgeist, the cultural milieu of the day, the spirit of the age, and what, is, what does my neighbor think? What does my, my colleagues think? What do my fellow students or coworkers think? Uh, in one sense, who cares what they think? It's the blind leading the blind. Sharing, we're pooling our ignorance. Uh, like talk radio so many times, there's one person after another who doesn't know what they're talking about, sharing their ignorance. Oh, you know what? If, God is, if there is a God and that God has spoken, it's time to be quiet and listen to what he said and pay ob- attention to it and to obey it, that we might receive life and that more abundantly and what life's all about and not just want to uh, basically wax elephants and pontificate and give our own opinions on things that we really don't know what we're talking about. Gentlemen. Excellent, excellent. I mean, it's interesting that our minds is somewhat along the line of you guys. I wrote down so many different subjects because I knew I was going to do this, uh, bef- uh, you know, right in the middle of the broadcast. I said it'd be a great opportunity for us uh, to express ourselves in various things. It may be a pet peeve in our soapbox that we want to, you know, express. And the listening audience can get to know some of the things that, you know, let's say ask a question, unless it is our a pet peeve or soapbox, we don't get a chance to really express ourselves. We don't take the time to do that. So, gentlemen, um, you know, every now and then, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that on us when, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm in the studio and Brian, you know, uh, throw that out every now and then. Let the people know what we think and uh, what your thoughts are because I think that when people listen and been listening to us for any length of time, you know, all the years that we've been on, God has been so gracious to us to have us be on this time slot. You know, we're not the super large uh, mega ministries and all that type of stuff, but you know what? I just think about Gideon's army and all the various things. How God works with remnants. God does so many things with a small group of people, and I think when He even says like you know we're talking about why the reasons why i think god gives us reasons like you know we don't want us to be boasting in what we do so god say well let me make sure that you know it's really all about me and that's what my pet peeve is one of my pet peeves is that people are not recognizing that it is really all about god it's really all about god believer unbeliever saved unsaved god's creation then god takes his creation and he adopts uh, those people and make them their, his children. Us, Christians, got the nerve to say Jesus is the dividing line of uh, the demarcation. We draw the line in the sand for all other religions. Almost like you want to start a fight, but we're not. We understand that, this. And my pet peeve is the fact that we don't treat God's stuff with the proper stewardship that we should. It is a crazy thing. A woman called about tithing, and Brian, you gave an excellent uh, talk about it, and we talk about it all the time how people give, how what people do with God's stuff. We don't say that enough. We are stewards, a steward. We're not the owner of anything. You don't believe me? Die and see how much you take it with you. Look at any funeral if you see a hurts being pulled by a U-Haul or vice versa. You're not taking any of this stuff with you, folks. You're going to leave it behind. Uh, you know, I've lost two parents. Brian's uh, lost a parent. Craig lost parents. And we all have suffered loss. And when they, when they left us and they're gone, they took nothing with them. They left it all behind for us to deal with. So, folks. Be a steward, a good steward, with all that God's given you. Am I saying that for the sort of like a, a self thing for this ministry? No. 
It's a thing that you should be doing because God gave it to you. Whatever you have materially, whatever you have time-wise, whatever you have in talent, do it all. Give it all, recognizing that you are a steward of God's grace and God's giving to you those three things, time, talent, and treasure. We all have all that we have. So take an opportunity to be a good steward and consider how you can be a better steward with all that God gave you. Brian, give me 10 seconds. You want to say something? No, I just want to solidify. I, I've known you for years, and that is one thing that you've always, always, always brought out. And again, folks, we're going to take the opportunity for the time that God gave us. Uh, Andy, I want to thank you for doing Double Duty, PCH, Brian. Without you guys, we wouldn't do this broadcast. And folks, certainly without you calling in and emailing us, we would not do this program. So I'm Mama Grace and Big Daddy's baby boy. They're always the default to saying thank you. God willing, we'll see you next week.